Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? Oh, Canada. You had a whirlwind of a weekend. I did. I spent 36 whole hours in <laughs> Canada. You're an expert in all things Canada. Uh, yes. Fully expert level in my 36 hours. And we're going to talk about it. <laughs> all I can say is bless you for doing that drive with both your parents. <laughs> I was almost driving longer than I was in Canada. I spent like, I don't know, 22 hours on the road and I was yeah. only there for 36. So like it was a lot. <laughs> the math is mathin'. We're going to make this whole episode Canada themed, I guess. Everything from our social media roundup, culture topic, nostalgia topic. So our Canadian listeners, I'm sure, will be telling me everything that I said that was incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> And we have quite a few. We do. While I was up in Canada, actually, one of our listeners was like, if I had known, I would have invited you as a plus one to this like Portuguese Canadian event thing that was <laughs> happening, a gala. And I was like, I absolutely would have attended. Like, what an honor. What an honor. Exactly. <laughs> and actually, I think that same gala, I think that our guest Devin attended. When I was going through the stories, I saw something pop up. So I'm like, I think he might have been at the same thing. Yes, I could have been there, but <laughs> I had a wedding to attend. So not this time, but maybe next time. Yeah, maybe we'll have to do a weekend up there. Our Canadian listeners are also just like very nice. Like, I feel like I would just like show up to their house and be like, hello, <laughs> nice to meet you. And they would they take, would take me you in. in. Yes. I apologize if I lean too far into the Canadian experience and I start talking with a Canadian accent throughout this episode. I apologize, <laughs> but it was rubbing off on me while I was there and I, f I felt more proper, but I'm back with you. So I'm going to slip right back into Fall River, I'm sure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have such a negative influence <laughs> on your speech. I just mimic like what <laughs> is around. I can barely speak. In general, <laughs> I really enjoy listening to Canadians speak. And I don't know if it's like all Canadians or if it's just Portuguese Canadians, but just something about the accent and the tone. It sounds so professional. It sounds so nice. Like it doesn't matter what they're saying, it just sounds good. Yeah. For our social media roundup, we're going to have you read a comment that we got from somebody from Canada. It came through our Reddit account that we have. It was just so sweet, and we figured what a better way to kick off this episode than to start with that. So it starts off with, hey, just wanted to say thank you for creating that podcast. It brings me so much joy hearing your stories. It reminds me of hanging out with my sisters and my cousins so much, and so many of the stories are like straight out of our lives. It's incredible this shared heritage we have. Anyways, I am living away from family for the first time, returning to school in a different city, and listening to your podcast has been a great source of comfort for me. Aww. Ottawa has a tiny Portuguese community compared to Toronto, so any way that I can connect really helps. Again, thank you so much. You both do a great job. It's so sweet. <laughs> See how sweet they are. <laughs> we love messages like that. <laughs> that was the sweetest thing we've ever heard. No name, so we don't know who it is, but thank you so much. If you're still listening, if we haven't driven you away yet. <laughs> thank you. 
So the other quick social media roundup thing, we posted a poll recently on our Instagram about names. And the reason this came up was because I saw that somebody had like either liked one of our posts and they had the same exact full entire name as you, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> First, middle, last, full government name. <laughs> And they liked our post and it caught my eye, obviously, because I thought it was you. It was not. But (laughs) then I saw we had mutual friends with this person. So I was like, oh, I bet Kelly knows her. Yep. Yep, I did. As soon as I saw that, the first thing that came to mind was I was like, oh, my God, that's so weird. It's so rare. And then I was like, no, it's not. In the community that we live in, it is so common to share a full freaking name with people that you know and that you see around in your community. And it's a common in the family as well. Yes. <laughs> and so I thought that was so strange. And I was like, I want to see how our listeners stack up with this and see if they have had the same experience. For something that I think should be so rare, 36% of people answered, yes, of course, that they know somebody with their full ass name personally. And I feel like that's a lot. I didn't think the yeses were going to beat the nos. 36% of people, I feel like is much higher than you would expect. Like if you take like a regular old normal ass area that's not a bunch of Portuguese immigrants <laughs> and you ask them that same question, I feel like what are you going to get? 5% maybe? 10% of people? Maybe? Yeah, yeah. Just so common in our area that you will know someone with the same name or someone in your family will have the same name. We have aunts with the same name. (laughs) Right. You know, they'll add like another name to make it a little different. Like their middle name will be different or something. And then you end up calling them their middle name. And you're like, you guys are first cousins. So literally like your parents were siblings and they chose to name you the exact same thing. Like if your brother had a baby and named it something, would you have a baby and name it the exact same thing? Absolutely not. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what people were out there doing. They were having kids and naming them the exact same thing as their siblings. Speaking of names, this just came to me. You know how I always just refer like Americans, like obviously people that are not like kind of Portuguese, not meaning in any negative way, but. Americans name their first sons like juniors. That's not really common for Portuguese people, right? Yeah, they don't go junior. They just name you the fucking same thing and they just (laughs) call you the same thing. There's no junior. It's just Manal and another Manal. I don't think I know anyone that's a junior. No, I think you're right. I and maybe our listeners could let us know what their experience is, but I don't. I, I certainly have not heard of that in the Portuguese world, Portuguese communities. But the the name thing is so funny. Like I had, I knew somebody with my, so my maiden name was the Portuguese name, obviously. And so I knew somebody with my f- same full name growing up. Like they lived in my uncle's house. <laughs> they went to my church. Like I saw them all the time. That's so funny. My mom within her family, I think she has like, four people related to her that have the same <laughs> person last name one of them's like her sister-in-law <laughs> and here i am i won't date a guy named jeff because it just reminds me of my brother <laughs> like i stay clear out of that name 
And these people are in the same communities. So like they literally like my mom and her sister-in-law, they go to the same doctor, like they go to the same doctor's <laughs> office. And like when they go there, they have to like verify like three times that they're getting the correct records for the right person. Her sister-in-law will have an appointment like the same week or the same day as her and they'll come in and they'll be pulling the wrong files like for <laughs> medical records. And I'm like, oh, my God. I can see the little confusion there. One of our friends that responded to the poll, we had a little chat about it in DMs and they were saying that they used to work at a bank. People would come in without account information and be like, can you look up my account? And they would give their full name. And she was like, you're going to need to be a little more specific. <laughs> I'm going to need some social security information or something here because <laughs> these are all the same full name. No, it's not the thing, but at my vet, there's several owners, <laughs> pet owners with my name. Mm. At first, when I was first going there, they were like, oh, which one are you? And I'm like, I would give either the dog or like my phone number because they said, oh, there's a bunch of you in here. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Not only do we all have the same name, but then we're like living in the same community and like running into each other everywhere we go with these people that have the same name as us. You think you're unique? You're not like (laughs) (laughs) you are not. I definitely didn't think I was with my last name, but definitely I thought with my first name because I thought you know my first my first name is technically Irish so I was like oh I'm Portuguese with an Irish first name but there's so many other people you took like the top 10 names of 1987 and like we got them exactly culture topic getting to Canada I think so we had an episode where we had Connie Marks on the show early on And we started talking or having this conversation about Canada. I hadn't been in like 20 years. I was able to contribute like historical memories, but I wasn't able to contribute anything recent from my memory about the trip. So this jogged a lot of things back into my memory by going on this trip. And this was something that I think you and Connie had both brought up and talked about in that episode, which was the Portuguese, the ones who have made it their mission to travel back and forth from Fall River to Toronto (laughs) repeatedly throughout their lives. They have a very specific strategy and method to the way they approach the trip. And when I tell you the number of times my dad told me, are you going to get off on exit 48 to get gas before you cross the border? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's such a reaction to that right now. (laughs) I'm dying. You drive on the same highway for a shit ton of time, like from Albany to Buffalo is basically you're just driving straight on one road for like, I don't know, four and a half hours or something. Exit 50 is where you finally like make a turn off and then you make a couple turns and then you're over the border really relatively quickly after that. And so exit 48 is where they decide that they're that's their cutoff. Like they're 48 is where they're going (laughs) for gas. The last chance for gas before you get to the board. There's other gas stations from 48 to getting to Canada, but that's the one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 50, you start making turns after that. And they're like, no, can't be messing with that situation. So you got to go maybe give yourself a little buffer. Don't go 49, but like maybe like 48. Like that'll give you enough room before 50 before the border. I'm having like, (laughs) (laughs) oh my God, I'm I'm having ignitions to listen to this right now. (laughs) 
I was trying to figure out. So I was asking my dad, I'm like, what is it about it? Is it because of like the anxiety of not knowing how to pump gas in Canada? Not like, what is it about the border that makes you so scared about running out of gas? (laughs) He was like, no, it's just cheaper. It's cheaper in the U.S. than it is in Canada. And I'm like, who's doing that math? Because when you cross the border, like all of a sudden pricing is in Canadian dollars per liter. Yeah. You mean to tell me that these Portuguese are out here doing not only currency conversions, but they're going liters to gallon all in their head to to know which one is more expensive? So I will give my dad credit. He can definitely do like currency conversion, like in his head like that. But for Portugal, anything like he can do that quite quickly, like Canada and Portugal, that's it. But he's not not, not doing gas. (laughs) He's not doing no gasoline. (laughs) No way. You're trying to tell me my dad's over here converting American dollars to Canadian no. dollars times 1.37 <laughs> times divided by 3.78. You t- he's doing that in his head to be like, oh, it's more expensive when you cross the border. No, no. <laughs> That's like that, <laughs> the meme there with all like the, the numbers everywhere with the, like the red wire. And <laughs> That's like your father's brain <laughs> as he's approaching the exit. <laughs> we got to stop now at 48. <laughs> oh, my God. So. And and not only that, like when he's at exit 48 or when he's in America, he knows American gas prices. But like, even if he had nothing to convert, what is he, Nostradamus? Like he's predicting what the Canadian price is going to be like. He doesn't know. I always got the vibe that it was because they just didn't want to put gas in Canada. Like maybe from from them traveling back then where they didn't have like the phone to tell you what there's a gas station. Like it's just in their mind. That's where the gas station was. That's where we're going to go. Because they don't know where the gas stations are in Canada or like whatever when they get to Toronto, when they get to Montreal, like they don't know where the gas station. So they're gonna make sure they're filled up before they go. That was my theory behind it. No, I I agree with you hundred percent. Like I thought and I was explaining this to my dad. I'm like, I feel like it's like a thing where you're like, you're worried that okay, you're gonna be in a new country, you're not gonna know either how to get to the gas, like how to pump the gas if the pump is set up differently. Like, right. Whatever the situation may it be, might not you take have a card. <laughs> right. You have some level of discomfort. Like you're you're nervous about it. Like you're mm-hmm. you're scared you're not going to be able to get the gas once you get to Canada. Like that was yeah. how I was viewing it too. I think it was a pride thing, but he made it very clear to me that it was none of that and that it was solely based on the price. I was like, all right, so it's not a pride thing, you're just cheap. And he was like, I'm not cheap, I'm frugal, you know. He likes to make a <laughs> distinction, but no, I, I think it's a little bit the other. <laughs> I think it's more the other than the it, the gas being cheap. I know. Because if you think about it, is gas really cheaper here than in Canada? Like, I feel like everything's so high now. I didn't do the conversions. You know? <laughs> well, so my dad was doing conversion when he was like, oh, you know, I think he was just like multiplying or like trying to rough it out. And he was like, see, it's more expensive in Canada. And I'm like, okay, but you're also, you didn't convert the currency, dad. Like you just converted liters to gallons over here. And I'm like, what about the currency? Like, what, yeah. what is the situation? Needless to say, he harped on eggs at 48. Yeah, I was going to say, you stopped and got gas at 48. I didn't actually. And I was like, dad, I have enough gas for another 250 miles, dad. Like, <laughs> I don't think, I don't need to top off at 48. Like it wasn't even a situation of like, oh, you're running low. Yeah. 
that I could go to Canada, spend the weekend in Canada, return and get 48 on the way back. <laughs> like I could get 48 on the way back and still have enough gas. Like <laughs> I don't need to top off at 48 right now on the way in. He was also pain in the ass about the passport. The number of times this man asked me if I had my passport in the weeks leading up to the trip, before I left the house for the trip, in the days before, he would call me and be like, you got your passport? You got your passport? You got your passport? Yes, dad, I have my fucking passport. I'm not going to forget my passport. <laughs> they are all the same. I understand it's important, but like once I've left the house and confirmed for you that, yes, my passport is with me in this vehicle, he continued to ask about it <laughs> en route. Like, no, dude, I threw it out the window four stops ago. Like, what do you mean? You didn't notice that? Like, you were flying? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I have not left this van in 11 hours. My dad has a thing where he has to collect the passports. I'm like, I'm a 35-year-old adult. I've, like, traveled a lot but I, where I needed my passport. I have to, like, hand you my passport when we go to Canada. <laughs> My dad collected the passports. So I was driving. I'd say we were about an hour and a half from the border. And he started collecting passports. An hour and a half away. I did the same. We have literally nothing to do for the next 90 minutes. You don't need the passports right now. They just get like an anxiety. I don't, I don't know what it is. They just... <sighs> so I feel like they have a lot of history with this trip to Canada. We'll talk about it when we get into our, our nostalgia section is going to be like all the stories my dad told me about the old times going to Canada. <laughs> it, it must have been harder to get through the border before. They were obviously doing all kinds of breaking the rules they weren't supposed to. Mm. Like, I'm sure it was busier. Like, it took longer. Like, they were new immigrants. Like, they didn't have the right paperwork half the time. Yeah. So, like, I feel like they have a lot of that anxiety built in. But, like, that's not this current border situation. So I drove to the border. There was like one car in front of me. I pulled right up. I gave them my passports. I said, we're going to a wedding. We'll be back. These are my parents. Have a nice day. And you just fucking go on your merry way, right? I don't know if you're going to get into this, but I do want to ask you, did your dad, like, I don't know if you guys had any quote unquote contraband in your car. <laughs> Did you have anything of that sort where, like, your dad was... Because that's that's another thing that my dad worries about all the time is, like, the contraband. And when I mean contraband, I mean his meats and, <laughs> and like, beer that he brings there or whatever, you know, stuff that you're not supposed... Nothing, like, crazy. Not drugs, obviously. While I was waiting there, like I said, there was only one car in front of me and I was the next car and there was a sign this big sign that was telling it's like saying what you couldn't bring across and literally the first thing is like meats and like it's literally the very first words on the sign were like no raw or cooked meats or like these are the things that you need to declare basically that you're bringing yeah. the fruits so there was like a whole bunch of other stuff so the woman asked us a couple questions and then she asked you know do you have anything other than clothes in the car we said, no, just some snacks for the road. We said, we're going to a wedding. And she said, do you have any gifts in the car? And my mom says, I have a Yankee candle. Because she was going to give a candle to like my cousins that we were staying at their house, right? 
And I'm like, mom, I don't think you needed to declare your fucking Yankee candle at the border. Your one Yankee candle. Okay. Whatever we went through. We didn't have anything that I was concerned about. I did make Sharice and Peppers for the ride. Like I had it in like a marmita. (laughs) Then I had like the bread or whatever because I was going to make sandwiches, which I ended up doing at we stopped at Niagara Falls because I had never been. I made too much. So like it stayed at my cousin's house in her fridge for the weekend. And then we brought it on the way home again. And my mom was like worried about like as we were going through on the way home, she's like, the sign says no meats. Like, look at all that shitty suka back there. And I'm like, mom, I don't think it's like like this was like my lunch. Like it's not like I'm just bringing like, yeah, six pounds of Charisse to import <laughs> to Canada. She's, like, not, she's not in my car. <laughs> Leaking like a sieve. She was just. I was a spiraled ham coming out of my glove compartment. Oh, yeah. She was like an informant, basically, <laughs> like for the feds. <laughs> so we did stop in Niagara Falls on the way in. I had never made that stop. I never did the stop either. She claims that, oh, we took you there when you were young. I'm like, there are zero pictures that support that argument. Like, I have, there's no pictures of me in Niagara Falls. I'm like, I don't think I ever went. So I was like, Mom, I want. We're driving right through it. Literally driving right by it. Like, I just want to stop. Like, it's like a huge destination spot for people. Like, I just want to go see what it is. Did you stop on the Canadian side? Yeah. So I'm telling my parents this as we're driving, and like we were still in New York at the time, and I was like, Dad, this is the plan. And I said, We're making good time. I just want to take a quick stop. I'll eat my Cherie sandwiches. I just want to stop at Niagara Falls and just see the falls while I'm eating. And he's like, that's two hours out of the way. Two hours out of the way. I'm like, we're literally driving right fucking through it. If you put your windows down, you're going to get a fucking splash. (laughs) Splash zone. (laughs) What do you mean? He he's convinced it's two hour departure from the path that we're driving. And I'm like, no, dad, like we have a GPS now. Like you don't have to speculate about that shit. <laughs> oh, man, his brain must have been going with you dropping the Niagara Falls bomb on him, getting <laughs> the gas, <laughs> doing the conversions. His brain was just going the whole entire time on that trip. Once you drop that bomb, the Niagara Falls, that was it. <laughs> And I purposely didn't tell him in advance because I didn't want to hear about it for 10 hours. So I like what? right before I was like, I just like reprogrammed the GPS to be like, oh, by the way, we're stopping at Niagara Falls. <laughs> we went to the Canadian side. So we crossed the border first and then went to the Canadian side for Niagara Falls, parked the car and just like walked out to the area. I've only seen pictures and videos mm. and movies and stuff like that. So like I was a bit underwhelmed initially. I didn't walk up close to it or anything like that. Like I was kind of viewing from like across the street kind of thing. But I was a little bit underwhelmed. It was pretty. The waterfall. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like it was just just the waterfall. I don't know. I didn't do like the whole poncho thing and like go get up close. But like, can you like take a boat or my so I'm just thinking about the office when I think of Niagara Falls and just think of Jim and Pam's wedding. Yeah, so they do like little boat like rides like yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sure if I had like explored it a little more, like it would have been cool. Or being up close to it, I'm sure the magnitude is much different from the vantage point that I was standing in. It was like, oh, this is nice to look at. This is better than being on a parking ride on the side of the highway. Then we got in there. We drove. I drove the whole way at that point. Like my dad at Niagara Falls is like, oh, you want me to drive? 
homeboy, I just drove like nine hours. Right. And now you want to take it the last hour and 20 <laughs> minutes so that you pull into the house and it looked like you were the driver. Like, no, I'm, I'll am i take us in now. <laughs> right? I always drive too. So yeah, I was like, you're not getting credit. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to take the last hour so he could get the credit. And I'm like, no, no. I'm like, whatever, I'll just finish it up. Like, I was fine. We were driving during the day. Like, no big deal. Then I also drove the entire time we were in Toronto. So, like, my dad has never had it so good. He used to always be the driver. Like, right. anytime yeah. he took any family there or, or not, he says he always drove most of the time, most of the trip, if not the whole trip, and drove the entire time in Toronto and everything. So he was just, like, living the life. And he enjoyed the shit out of that. And because he didn't have to worry about addresses or where to go, because we were bouncing around from like this person's house to that person's house to this venue for a dinner to the wedding back to this person's house. Like we were going around quite a bit all around town, ping ponging everywhere. And he never once had to worry about what the address was or where we were going. He would just get in the car. He'd be like, I want to go see my uncle. I'm like, all right, got it. (laughs) Plug it in. 30 minutes later, we're at his uncle's house. He just had the time of his life. And I'm like, how did you guys navigate this shit before? Oh, I say that all the time. Every time I go to Canada with them, I say that all the time. I'm like, how? So we were talking about it and he's like, well, you know, you couldn't just like get in and go. You'd have to be like, okay, we're going to so-and-so's house. You were either following another car of somebody who was from there that was you're going to follow them to that person's house or that person's going to get you know, somebody from Canada is going to get in your car and try to help you navigate. Like they just wouldn't go just on their own or they'd have to get like turn by turn directions and try not to fuck it up. (laughs) I haven't been to Toronto in a while, so I'm due for that soon. But I've most recently done a lot of Montreal because that's where my mom's side is from and drives about six hours, six or seven hours. And I just remember I used Waze and same thing. I drove the whole entire time and I used Waze. We were already in Canada. And you know how like Waze will like detour you if there's traffic and be like, oh, use this route instead. Once I took the new route that Waze told me, (laughs) big mistake because I heard about it from my father's mouth the whole entire time that I'm going the wrong way. Now we're lost. We're not going to get there. And I'm like, dad, it's just because it's like traffic. So it's just giving me a different way to go. It just screwed him out. Like, he, like we were lost. According to, according to him, we were lost. <laughs> they have that route memorized. Yeah, always memorized. You are absolutely correct because my dad made sure to tell me, like, we were using a GPS the entire time, but he made sure to make it known that he knows that it's, you take 90 to 290 to 190 to the Queen Elizabeth Way to Spadina. He was like, that's what you do. That was the move. So did your dad do the same thing? I'm using like my hands because I get so <laughs> passionate about this, <laughs> this drive to Canada. Did your dad, as you've been about to take it or maybe like a few, maybe like a few miles away, like my dad would be like, oh, you're going to want to take, like he has to tell me it before like the GPS even tells me. So I can believe that I know that he knows where he's going. It's like, dad, you don't need to say anything. <laughs> I know. My dad was doing that too. He had to make it known that he knew the roads to take independent of the GPS. Like, we believe you, of course. We know you knew how to get here. But also people have moved. 
he had been going for so many years and he's gone historically. But now people are like all spread out. People live in all different areas. Like so the cousin's house that I was staying at is not where he historically would drive immediately to. Like that wouldn't have been his first stop. But before it was like, once you're on the Queen Elizabeth, you take it all the way down to Spadina. And then from Spadina, then you go to whatever you go down to the water and you navigate your way back up. I don't know. They would have their little ways of getting to the specific houses. Like, okay, he knew how to get to his aunt's house. Once he got to Spadina, he could get there or whatever. Like, but now it's like, we're going to a different place, dad. Like, I ain't going to Spadina. Like, that's not where this person lives. I'm not going to. He said they would backtrack a lot because they only know they're like one way. So he would take the Queen Elizabeth to Spadina and then he would be like, all right, now I backtrack back to go to this aunt's house or I go around this way to go to this aunt's house, but it's like not the most efficient way. Yeah, yeah. But it's like the way that they knew or the most direct with like less less turns. The highway system there though, holy shit, never seen anything like it. I feel like I can't, I can't calm it with Toronto. Like I said, it's been a while. I guess, I don't know if it's called the King's Highway System or something, but it's the 400 series highways. And there are just so many of them. There's the 401 and the 402 and the 403 and the 404 and the 407 and the 410 and the 412. Like there's just all the numbers you could think of in the 400 range. And they're just like a million lanes across. And you'll have like a highway where you're like, okay, I'm on the, I'm just making this up because I don't really know which ones it was, but let's say I'm on the 401 and I've got like six lanes over here. And then there's like a Jersey barrier divider. And then there's like another six lanes going the same direction. But like you can't get over to those six lanes from these six lanes because it's divided. And I'm just like, what is going on? I felt like I was constantly changing lanes. Like no matter what, even if I just wanted to be like, okay, I'm going straight. Like I'd be like, all right, my next turn is eventually going to be an exit on the left. So I'm going to get it over as far as I can into the left lane. And I'm just going to hang out because uh, my turn is coming up or whatever. I would get over to that lane. And then all of a sudden it would be like four lanes would get added from the left. And all of a sudden I'm in the furthest lane to the right. And I'm like, oh, man. then I'd have to like do it again. And I'd like switch right. four lanes over again to the left. Oh, it was just like the most bizarre thing. Like they were constantly adding lanes on both sides of the highway and then dropping off lanes. And like, I just couldn't stay where I wanted to be. Like if I wanted to be in the middle, I couldn't stay in the middle. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just not how our highways are. Our highways are like, it's three lanes and that's it. Like, basic, yeah. When there's like exits and on ramps, it's like they just merge. Mm-hmm. Don't like add lanes and subtract lanes. You just merge into the three lanes that you've got, and it's always three lanes. And if you're in the middle lane, you're gonna stay in the middle lane. Like, not right. over there. <laughs> the signs are at least like in English, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, so okay. it's not like Montreal or something oh, like yeah. different, it's, right? It's, everything's in French. So that's always fun. I think it might have had French also. Like, I think things might have been English and French. They might have had two versions. Yeah. Then they were talking about the 407, which apparently I think is the one that costs like a billion dollars to ride. Not just like a regular toll system like we have, like a real expensive toll system. Like, if you want to ride on the 407, if you. You hop on that one, it's like $56. And you're just like, what the fuck? Damn. To be determined on whether or not I rode that. And if you get a bill? 
And if I get a bill, so I like I don't know. Do they just buy, see my license plate and track me down? Like, how do they? How do they know? I've been waiting for so long to get a bill from Iceland because when I went through, they have like little speed traps, and we didn't notice it. And it was really dark, and I was kind of speeding a little bit, and I could have sworn they took a picture of our license plate. And obviously, they would have like found the rental because the rental guy's like, "Oh, they'll mail you something." It's all he said. Like, if you if you got a ticket, they'll mail it to you. So it's been a year and I haven't gotten anything. So maybe they'll just mail it to you too. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I was wondering. I was like, well, I don't, I couldn't, by the time they told me to stay off the 407, I was like, I probably have already been on the 407, <laughs> but I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see if I had an expensive the ride or not. 407, like get you to places quicker for $50. <laughs> I think typically, yeah. So I was there on a weekend. So there wasn't really a lot of traffic anyways, but I, it's for like commuting purposes, I think. So like, I think oh. typically the regular highways are really, really congested during the commutes Yeah, and the 407 gets you there quicker for a premium. Like companies offer it as a perk to their employees that need to like commute in. They'll pay oh, the, right. the rate, whatever the rate is on the 407. So it's almost like a HOV lane in Boston. <laughs> Not really, because I don't think you pay for, you don't pay for that, I don't think. But A rich people only HOV lane. <laughs> With all that said about like how crazy I thought the highway system was, the drivers I thought were good. And granted, I wasn't driving during like rush hour or anything like that, but they seemed really fucking mellow. The drivers seem so fucking tame compared to like the drivers that I'm used to being around. They were like not riding your ass. Like they were driving the speed limit. I couldn't really tell what the speed limit was because it was in fucking kilometers. But that's another thing. <laughs> they seemed to be driving the speed limit. They weren't cutting people off. They weren't fucking honking at you. Like they seem really subdued, which I was very surprised by. That's interesting. All right. So you're not driving in Boston. Okay. No. <laughs> like, I was like, what is wrong with these people? Like, they're, they're driving real fucking slow. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, there was all these signs for, like, speeding fines. Like, oh, if you go over 100 kilometers per hour, I don't fucking know. Maybe it was. That doesn't sound right. Because that's, like, not like 60 miles an hour. I don't know. But there was these, like, signs for speeding. And it was, like, $10,000 fine. Wow, they really fucking hit you with the fines. I was like, maybe that's why they're all driving so slow. I don't know. There was a lot of signs with $10,000 on them as a speeding deterrent. Yeah. <laughs> My defense was going to be, officer, this car is reading in miles per hour, and I don't know how to change it, and I don't know what that means. Doesn't our cars have the option? If you look at your car, and you're looking at get the speedometer with your miles, Below it, it should have it in kilometers, too. I only learned that from driving to Montreal. I realized that. So that's a good fucking point, but I'm not sure that I have a speedometer. <laughs> I think it just shows me, like, a digital readout. I have both. I have digital and then I... Well, actually, I don't know in my car. I know I have it digital. Now I can't think if I have one a speedometer either, but I know my parents' car is not as high-tech, and it has the two options. It, gives you the two options that's a good point i don't know if it's in my car either so you might be right 
So I, I couldn't figure out. I know there's like a button you press to like change the mode. Like I think you can like toggle between it reading out in miles or kilometers, but I couldn't figure out how to do it. Now I have to, no, now I'm interested to look. While we're on the driving, I got like one last thing in driving and it's going to take us into like a funny conversation. I had to drive all throughout the city and it was a little busier on Friday night when I first got there trying to navigate through the city. And so my GPS was taking me like the most fucking roundabout way to get from like point A to point B. There was like left turn, right turn, left turn, right turn, left turn, right turn. Like I was just constantly turning. Like I made like a hundred turns to get from this one (laughs) house to this venue that we were having like a dinner at. These side streets that it was putting me down, they have speed bumps like in normal like residential neighborhoods. Like every street had fucking speed bumps. Like every 10 feet, there was a speed bump. And then there was stop signs in between the speed bumps. And I was like, I am never going to get to where I need to be because my car has not moved more than 10 feet without having to stop. Like I was like, (laughs) this is insane. So we're going, we're going through the city and it looks like Toronto. It looks like what you'd expect the city to look like. All of a sudden we took this turn and I was like, we are not in Kansas anymore, my friends. Like all of a sudden we're in this fucking rich ass neighborhood with these like mansions huge houses people are out with their little baby strollers and their little golden doodles <laughs> and they're going down the road and i'm like where are we and then we passed it looked like a private school and it would look like a little castle and there's like bentley's pulling out of the driveways and i'm like we're in the richie rich neighborhood so i made a little mental note of that and i was like i'm gonna find out what neighborhood that is like when i get <laughs> Home. I'm gonna just do a little searching because that seemed like it was like fancy, fancy. Like, I wonder if that's where the celebrities live. And they film a lot in Canada. You got to that point a lot quicker than I did. I didn't even think of that. I was just thinking like rich people. But then, yeah. so I looked it up. I found it on the map where it was because I remembered the the private school that I had passed. So it's called Forest Hill. I went to the Wikipedia page for Forest Hill as as I do. <laughs> The average home price in that area, I didn't look for an updated number, but in 2007, which was like a lot of inflation ago, the average home price there was $4.3 million. Oh, that's it? $2,007, <laughs> like in today's dollars, it's probably like mm, $60 million. Oh, <laughs> so. we have that. <laughs> the private school, I guess, was called Bishop Ron, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's how the Wikipedia page told me to pronounce it, but it doesn't look like that's how it's pronounced. It's S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N. Apparently that's Strawn somehow. So I went to that little school. It's an all-girls little private academy. $8,000 just to register to go there. $40,000 to attend tuition per year. $70,000 if you're going to... It's a boarding school, so if you want to stay there. 70,000. And that's just, that's like the discounted rate for being from Canada. And if you were an international student, it's even more. So were you sending your daughter there? I mean, <laughs> I think we need a few more podcast listeners. <laughs> but I was just looking at it and just trying to take in this neighborhood. And so then I continue reading down this Wikipedia page for it. And there was like this drama because they somehow got the city to agree to do trash pickup from their doorstep instead of like at the end of the driveway at the street like everybody else 
this is for the the neighborhood for this fancy neighborhood only okay only for the fancy neighborhood because they're too they're too fancy to walk their trash to the end of the driveway and put it at the street like everybody else so the garbage men have to they would come up to the door and grab the trash Nunca mi vida. Nunca mi vida. <laughs> I just needed to express the level of rich we're talking here. Like the trash people come to the door. Okay. Wow. Probably like probably like a service door, like a utility door, not the front door. Yeah. 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 But apparently that was like drama. And then people in the city like found out how much it was costing extra to have the garbage men do this and they were like why are these people getting fucking special treatment and they got rid of it so i think they have to get their trash pick up at the road like everybody else now so if that's something i feel like this could be controversial but if that's something they want why aren't they paying for that <laughs> like have them pay for it i spent 36 hours in toronto and i'm just raising toronto's rights <laughs> over here <laughs> the bottom of the wikipedia page it said like notable people who live in this neighborhood bam there you go nelly Fatado. <laughs> <Jacevia. laughs> i don't know if she still lives there i think it's like people who have at one time lived in this neighborhood so i don't know if she does have a house there currently if that's where she lives if that's where she has yeah. lived at some point i don't know drake <laughs> yeah oh yeah he's from toronto I think he grew up in this neighborhood or moved to this neighborhood when he was young. Started from the bottom, now we <laughs> This neighborhood was not the bottom. This neighborhood was not the bottom. I just, we need to talk about that. And Lauren Michaels of SNL. Oh. That's who I was rushing elbows with in this neighborhood. Was it like Megan Markle? from canada which i i can't recall she's from canada no she's not she's from america i'm sorry she's the american princess take that back so i believe she was born here but she was living in toronto i think when she was filming for um suits on usa oh so i thought maybe she was gonna be on that list but there's a couple of other nice neighborhoods like this so i'm not sure I'm sure if she lived there, it would be on the Wikipedia page because that's when she was dating Harry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paparazzi and stuff would always go to her house. Maybe she's not in Toronto. Maybe she's in Vancouver. I can't can't get my my American princesses right. (laughs) (laughs) So the one final thought that just popped into my mind because I was having flashbacks of like almost running over pedestrians in this neighborhood. (laughs) <laughs> which would have been very costly for me. I'm sure they would have sued <laughs> my ass. The pedestrians were a fucking situation out there. Just like a lot of them? Uh, yes, a lot of them. But the right-of-way situation is different there than the than what we're used to in the U.S., or at least where we're from. Specifically on turns, pedestrians would get a walk signal and you would get a green light simultaneously but if you're turning you have to look for pedestrians first in the u.s like if a pedestrian's getting a walk signal that whole fucking interchange is closed down like everybody's got a red hold on so if there's a pedestrian coming in toronto and you have a turn your your light is green to turn and a pedestrian's coming they're coming they have a walk signal it says walk they're walking 
and you have to fucking yield to them even though you have a green light okay the amount of pedestrians i almost fucking mowed down i was like why are they walking across the street and then i would look and i'm like they have a fucking walk signal oh yeah it's the same time oh and i already have that i don't know if you have this bear but i always have this bear that i like i hit i i hit like i always say it's like a child i'm like i'm like i'll be on the highway and at night it's dark I'll get this in my head. Like I, I won't even hit anything, but in my head, from like if it's I'm in the woods or you know if an animal, like, I'm always paranoid that I hit something. I'm like, did I hit like a child? <laughs> and then people be like, what is there a small a small child doing in the middle of the night in the woods? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm always just like paranoid that like I'm gonna hit or I, if I did, I have no idea. But I feel like that would be my case there. And like I don't know if you have that same fear. You should probably see someone about that. <laughs> Why are you driving in the woods? Coming from your parents' house back in the day. Like I just so when our friend that got married that we were in her wedding last year, we were heading to your house, specifically your parents' house, one day, one night for some I have no idea what we were doing. And this was a long time ago. She had her old old car. She what thing? She hit a bunny, like a small little bunny just jotted through and she hit it and like we were like a mess because you know me and her animal obsessed we were a mess about it like we didn't know what to, but then we couldn't we got out of the car couldn't find the bunny i don't know it's like she hit it and the thing just went on so for the longest time i was like are we sure we hit a bunny <laughs> and not a child <laughs> oh my god it was a bunny i'm sure of it <laughs> are you though i don't think you are <laughs> Oh, <laughs> there's no remnants anyway, so no. But they haven't sent you a bill yet, so you haven't gotten <laughs> a letter in the mail. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that pedestrian situation was like, until I figured out what was going on, which I caught on fairly quickly, but like not quickly enough. And <laughs> I was just nearly mowing down pedestrians at every turn I made. And there were a lot of turns. Yeah, that would have gave me anxiety. I was proud of myself for navigating it, but I hate parking. I'd be going to a dinner thing and I'd be like, my cousin would give me the address and then I would text her and I'd be like, what's the parking situation? And she's like, street parking. And I would be like, fuck. <laughs> like immediately just deflate. Like, oh, okay, now I got to find a place to go park this freaking van. You know what I mean? Like, And it almost makes you like not want to go. <laughs> when the parking situation's horrible oh brutal i'm impressed with when you park your van though you shouldn't be i'm really <laughs> bad at it yeah times i've been with you you did pretty well i don't i don't think i've been with you parallel parking yeah the parallel it's just tough it's just so big it's so yeah. big it doesn't fit where you think it should fit <laughs> that's what she said <laughs> but so anyways, I, we went to a wedding while we were there and there was a power outage while we were at this wedding. You literally were like in a movie. The uh, ceremony had already taken place. Ceremony was at the same place as the reception. We had done cocktail hour. We were sitting at our table. The first course had been served, which was um, like a salad plate. They had several speeches. So they got through like maybe one speech and then the power went out. We all just kind of like nobody panicked. Everyone was just kind of like, I don't know, like you have this initial feeling that like it's going to kick back on. 
so I was thinking either like it was going to come right back on within minutes or they had a generator and it was going to kick back on or they were going to reset some breakers and it was going to kick back on. So how is the weather? Nothing to do with the weather? Um, so it had been raining and windy all day. Okay. But at the time that the power went out, like the sun had just come out. Like it looked like it was like nice out. Oh. <laughs> so we were like, okay. And this was probably... 645 ish just to give you timing time frames so it was like 645 i think the sun sets around 730 ish or something so we still had a little daylight left mm-hmm. and we were in a room that had all windows across it so it wasn't like immediate like blackout conditions in the room we had light still coming in from outside and there was like candles on the table and stuff so we were just we lost dj music that sort of thing and all the yeah. lights the lights were obviously off in the place. The power did not come back on immediately. And then we realized, oh, they can't cook the food. The groom starts kind of coordinating with like the venue and being like, what's the situation? They realize it's a power outage outside of the building. Like it's in, it's local to the area. There was an outage for that area. What are the odds, man? So they're like, well, just, sit tight and we're going to just kind of monitor the situation. We're going to figure out a plan. We're going to figure out maybe the power will be restored soon. Like we'll get some type of estimated return time or something like that. They need to call a natural grid. Yeah. So the the (laughs) people at my table, my cousins that I was sitting with, they're all like looking at the outage maps. They're like seeing what the estimated return time is going to be and all that. And then the groom comes back and says, okay, I talked to the kitchen. The main course is not prepared and they cannot prepare it because there's no power. But they did have a second course that was done and it was about to be served. So they said, we're going to serve the second course as normal, which thankfully ended up, it was like a appetizer size, like pasta plate. Wow. Okay. So that was like key because like, that's not typical. Like you wouldn't typically go salad, pasta plate, and then like a full steak dinner you know what i mean i don't know i think that's kind of what i had at my cousin's but like i didn't do that at mine like i just had like soup and then a me- the meal or something yeah but they always they their weddings are so much better than ours they are yeah so canadian weddings are that's typical for them yeah more plates what at midnight yeah yeah so i agree it's definitely typical for them not necessarily typical for us that second course sort of held people over so they served this little like pasta plate which was good. And it it just sort of like settled everyone. So we weren't all just like starving. They were trying to figure out the situation. They did some speeches in the dark. So they, with no microphone. So people had to get up and just like shout their speeches into the room in the dark. It was very intimate. It gave it all like a very cozy, intimate vibe. It was cute. (laughs) And there were candles and stuff. And then we start looking around and we're like, all right, guys, we're losing daylight here. Like we're losing daylight fast. Like the sun is setting and this place is going to be real dark real soon. So they came around with like more tea lights and peppered more tea lights on all the tables. And then we realized the bathroom situation was dire. There's no emergency lighting or anything like that in the bathrooms and there's no windows. So it was just you would go into the women's bathroom, pitch black women were like having to stand there like my cousins were standing there with their cell phone lights and like holding them over the stalls like to cycle people through the bathroom so that they could see what they were doing 
Oh my God. I would have just been drinking the whole entire time. The bar was still open, but they had to make an announcement that you had to save your cups because the dishwasher, they couldn't run a dishwasher to clean the cups. So you had to save your cups and like bring your cup back up to the bar and they would fill it up. Nobody had any issue with that. (laughs) It was open bar. So like they were happy to continue to bring their glasses back up to the bar and get them refilled. But there was no music or DJ. So like once we got through the speeches, you were like, okay, we need some entertainment. So we're like, we need to get some power somehow in here to get at least the DJ equipment up and running. Some guy said he had a pickup truck that had like an outlet in it he could run power from his pickup truck so they started like moving cars around in the parking lot to get this guy's pickup truck to be like right outside the door to the reception hall oh my god (laughs) and then they were like trying to find an extension cord to run from this guy's pickup truck inside and like the venue didn't have one but one of my cousins was like oh i got a hundred foot extension cord in my car let me go get that so he goes out to his car gets this extension cord they run that inside they plug in the DJ equipment so you could at least get like a microphone and music. Yeah. Oh, and then lighting. So now it was dark. So then people had contractor lights, like lights that you would bring to like a job site in their cars. And some of them were like battery powered. The people, so people are just bringing out like contractor light. <laughs> so then they got dancing going. We were dancing and then they saw that the estimated return time for power was like 1 a.m. at that point. Oh, we were like, we're not going to get power back. So they're like, okay, we're going to serve the dessert next. And I'm like, oh, the, the fridge is not working. Like the fridge is, they're out of power. Like the dessert's going to start to melt because it was like an ice cream thing. I was surprised it had it. So they served the dessert course next. And so we're like dancing. The lights are off. Like we've we got our dessert. It was like, it felt right. Like yeah. It felt like normal for the wedding, but you just... You were like, oh, yeah, we haven't had a, a meal yet. Like, we haven't had our main course. And so I was totally fine. Like, I wasn't hungry at all. I had had some hors d'oeuvres. I had had salad, the little pasta plate. I had my d- dessert, which was like a big piece of cake and like two like ice cream cannoli looking things. Like, yeah. so I was content. We danced like that for hours. We were three hours without power. And then at about 10 o'clock, we got power restored. It's not like, okay, the power's on now we can eat. Like, no, the power's on now they can start cooking dinner. Right. Yeah. Then they had to cook the dinner. So that took a while and then plate it, serve it, whatever. So it was probably, I think it was after 1030 by the time we got our meals. It was very good. Everything was delicious. Well worth the wait their original plan had this not all gone astray was to have a taco bar at midnight so they were going to bring out like more i don't know desserts and coffees and then like full taco bar at midnight that's great but we were eating our like full (laughs) dinner at like 11 p.m so then the taco bar comes out after that and i'm like oh my god the azia i'm gonna have tonight (laughs) oh man so my dad probably would have been like the whole entire time. My dad would be like, go get the card. <laughs> go get the card. Get it back. I'm not going to say that joke didn't come up. <laughs> but we were clearly joking. You know, people were joking oh, yeah. around and we were like, be like, hey, like, why don't we just like order up some pizzas? Go get the cartons. <laughs> you think the venue is going to like refund something? I don't know. I'm not sure. It's kind of like we fed you. We give you guys a place. 
So maybe not. I think if they weren't able to serve the dinner meal. Yeah. Yeah, I would be having some conversation with them about a refund. But because they actually did serve it, um, I don't know. I don't know. But we all enjoyed the heck out of it. It it became this like such a memorable thing to be a part of the couple that it happened to. So my cousin ended up like once we he had a microphone working, he was just on that microphone, like emceeing the entire event. We were getting minute by minute updates of like what was <laughs> going on with the power and how the plans were changing throughout the night and what the next thing that we were going to do was. He was just loving it. And I'm like, he didn't want to let that mic go at the end of the night. <laughs> I felt bad for him on the one hand, but on the other hand, I was like, they were just so easygoing of a couple to just kind of like let it roll and just be like, it is what it is. We're going to have a great time. This is, this is not how we planned it, but we're going right. to make the best of it. And so we all enjoyed it. You know, I I probably would be upset at the time if I was the bride because I'd be like, this isn't what I had planned. But I feel like I would, be okay with it afterwards if I at least know like my guests got to eat. That would probably be like my biggest issue. I think that was probably what was stressing them out the most too was just getting the food out to people. You can get the music, you know, you can figure that you can kind of figure all that stuff out. Right. And it was just so fun and cool how everybody just like came together and they just were like everyone just had all their stuff in the car. <laughs> and it just shows you that you don't have to spend all this crazy amount of money at a venue. <laughs> All you need is a pickup truck, a 100-foot extension cord. And that's it. We're running out of time, but we just wanted to touch quickly on nostalgia and mental health segments. Nostalgia was just going to be just talking about a couple of the old stories that my dad on the drive up to Toronto. I always say up. I say up to Toronto, and it's really not up. I say up to it's like west like i think i had to go south from my house to go, go west over there because like you're going up to like new york it's definitely more up for you but for me i think i literally went south i think i went south to catch 90 across new york i went south to do that okay and then across to the west and then you go i think north a little bit from there to go over the border and stuff in toronto but like I don't know. Like, if I looked at a map right now, I feel like my house in Toronto might be like on the same latitude. Could be. <laughs> but like, I, my whole life, I've always said like up and like thinking okay, it's yeah. like directly above us and it's like not even close to directly above us. So the whole ride west. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> out to Toronto. My dad was telling me stories and he actually he told me a boatload of stories that aren't related to Canada in any way, shape or form. They're just Portuguese stories or stories about wedding stuff that we are going to put in another episode because they were phenomenal stories. But specifically the Canada trips, like he was reminiscing about all the like old trips to Canada and, oh, I know a guy who did this. or I know a guy that this happened to and like all this shit. Like, there was a story. He knew a guy for everything. <laughs> And so, like, I typed some of those up and I had posted them. So, like, I think they're on our Instagram and Twitter and stuff. Yeah, they were funny. One of them was that literally they used when they first got here to America and they were traveling to Toronto, like sometimes they didn't even have a car or they didn't have like, I think my dad said he went to Toronto one time when he was young, when he first came and it was before he got his license. 
And so the whole family was going up, must have been for a wedding or to visit or whatever they were going for. He said there was, <laughs> there was a guy you could hire out of New Bedford. This guy would drive you from New Bedford to Toronto, drop you off, come home. Five or six days later, when you were ready to come home, he would go pick you up and then bring you home. Oh, do you think he made a killing with that? I'm like, what did you pay this guy to do this? And he he seemed to to say like four hundred dollars, like back in 1970 money. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's sweet. I was like, where did you get four hundred dollars? I don't know, but <laughs> it's like Uber. That's a long fucking drive. And that guy is doing it by himself. So he's driving 10, 11 hours up and back probably the same night because he ain't going to pay to stay in a hotel. He's going to chew up all his $400 if he starts right, paying, yeah. paying to stay somewhere. So like he just does like a 20 hour trip and then does it again five days later. God bless him. <laughs> all by himself. And like what kind of car did he have? Did he have like the Uber XL? <laughs> <laughs> But so my dad said that they used to overload the vehicles, whatever vehicle they were going in, they would overload. So like it, it was usually, I'm assuming, some kind of a van situation. Yeah. They'd pack their little coolers with their food to bring up for the ride, right? They would sit on the coolers as like an extra seat in the yeah. van. So like they'd all just be sitting in there and then, oh, somebody sits on the cooler in the middle. and like <laughs> It's so safe. For 20 hours, you're sitting on a cooler seat in the van traveling <laughs> to and from Toronto. Are you kidding me? And then so my dad had these stories of people not being able to cross the border because paperwork and like they'd have, I don't know if it was like visa paperwork at the time. And like they'd go to whatever location before they left and be like, oh, is this the right stuff? Am I going to be able to go? And they'd be like, yeah, 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 you're good. You're good. You can, this is fine for you to go. And like it wasn't fine. <laughs> like they got to the border and they were like, sir, you can't come in with this. God. So they would send them back like the rest of the family would still go through and they would just turn around. They drive to Buffalo, put them on a bus and be like eight hours patraj, going home, going oh, back so home sad. by yourself. The rest of us are going. Isn't that crazy? And then he had this guy that he said on the way home from Toronto, you have to get onto 90 East mm-hmm. to head home. And this guy unknowingly got onto 90 West. And he knew it was about like four hours or I don't know how long till to get to Albany. And so he drove four hours and then he was like, Albany, Albany, Nantaki, where's Albany? And so he pulls over and asks somebody like, don't you stop Albany? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy was like, Albany? He's like, you're in fucking Cleveland, my friend. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Albany. Because Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> You're eight hours from Albany, sir. Like, so we had to turn around. Like, so we drove four hours the wrong direction, had to drive eight hours back just to get to Albany. And then, like, as you know, it's still probably another three hours from Albany back to where he was from. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I'm like, did he not notice? Like, he had to cross through Pennsylvania and Ohio. Yeah, you're right. You could you wouldn't saw the welcome to Ohio sign. That's what I'm saying. Like never saw that. I was just looking for Albany, Albany. <laughs> the funniest part is that like I tell these stories and my my dad tells me these stories. He doesn't even tell me who they're about. He's just like, Oh, I it's a story he heard one time, you know, like I I know a guy, I know a guy, whatever. Yeah. But like people are gonna hear this podcast and they're gonna be like, 
that was my dad. Like my dad, that was my dad. It happened to him. <laughs> so my dad's always like, oh, there was a guy in the village. <laughs> and I'm like, who? Oh, this guy in the village. He talked bad about Jesus and his cow died the next day. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so always a guy in the village. Yeah. Always. My grandparents one time, like their paperwork, they renewed it and it like didn't get sent to their house. And so they had to go back and tell the people that, hey, we never got it. They resent it. But then they had to flag the originals as like stolen or something. Okay, if somebody tries to come across the border, we have to make sure it's the right people and not someone who got their stolen or missing mm-hmm. versions of their paperwork. But when they got there, they got pulled out of the cars. They had to go inside the building right and get interrogated my dad said immediately my grandmother just turns into oh jessabia non casa. like they they just start panicking and they're like we i knew it i knew we shouldn't have come i knew it this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life oh so and you could just hear them saying it like yeah, he was telling yeah. me the story and i'm like i can see my grandmother walking around pacing around doing this like holding her arm and then she's she's grabbing his arm and she's telling him like <laughs> my dad's like obviously not gonna fucking just leave my parents who don't speak english at their fucking interrogation room at the border and just take off my dad's a jokester too and he likes he's sarcastic so he was telling he like egging her on and being yeah. like Oh, such no passing. Like he was like totally like leaning into it with her. And like, yeah, she was, yeah. She was probably like so, so, so anxious. So my passport actually flagged as well, too, because I had that same situation with mine. So I renewed my passport. I was going to go to Thailand. So you know how you like set, submit your old one? Like mm. you submit your old one with your application. They take your old one and you do the application, photo, bada bing, you pay for it. And you know, you wait. And I believe the process is like you get your new one first and then they mail you back your old one. A few weeks go by and I'm like, okay, wow, I got like my old passport. Like the old passport came back to me, but I'm like, where the fuck's my new one? I'm like, I don't have it yet. So big freaking to do. I like reached out. So they're telling me that my passport was mailed to me. They're like, it's mailed, it's received. We have it here that's delivered at your house. And I'm like, so now I'm thinking like, did my mom throw it out? I called the post office. It was a big thing. They had tracking that they had at the post office with my, quote, new passport that said it was delivered was the tracking that was attached to my old one. So of course, yes, my old one got delivered. So that's the tracking they were seeing, but they thought that was my new one. I never got my new one. What they told me in Boston was I have to wait now. 20 to 48 hours before my trip to Thailand is when I have to go up to Boston and get my pass, get a passport. That is so fucking stressful. <laughs> so, the, and this passport now that I have, like the last page has like whatever it is that it says that this is like whatever, because my other passport now that I never received, I don't know even if it ever got made, but they had to like flag it. So, in case that passport is somewhere around there, somebody can't be using it. So, I've seen that option because like when i was looking to renew my passport i was like oh what is this option about you can get a passport 24 hours before you leave on your trip but it's literally for like emergency situations only like only if you're in a situation like like yours where that's the only option for you to get it in time but i'm like 
who the fuck can wait until 24 hours before their trip to go like, oh, I still don't have a passport. Of course, I realized this early in advance. So I'm like, you guys have more than enough time to still like send me one. Like, come on. And they're like, oh, no, now you have to wait 24 hours before. So here I am. I don't even think I went to work, obviously, the day before. Because like now I got to like go to freaking Boston, spend the whole day there. (laughs) And hope that they can sort it out for you because like what happens if you do all that and you wait till 24 hours before and all of a sudden they're like oh yeah ma'am sorry no like uh you're gonna need to go to this other office like this is not no we can't do this yeah, here. disaster oh my and god then i was always scared because i'm like what if i like land when i land in china and like they rescan my passport and they like oh it's flagged and then i'm stuck in china i can't go to thailand <laughs> so i was feeling like your grandmother for a while <laughs> You're braver than I because that's all kinds of anxiety that I would not be okay with. I was scared. I was like, I'm going to be stuck here in China because they're going to flag it and be like, oh, stolen passport or something. And I know the the mutual friend we have that you went with, she was going to leave your ass in China. Like, I'm sorry. She listens to this podcast and I would say this to her face. She was going to leave your ass in China. She was thousand going percent. <laughs> A thousand percent. She'll be like, oh, are you good? You can figure out how to get home. All right. <laughs> Love her, but yeah. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> <laughs> so that was all paperwork related. And then the other thing, of course, that we started talking about this podcast was like what you could bring across the border. And so obviously that was like historically more of an issue than it is now. Nowadays, people mm-hmm. don't try to fucking play, I guess. But my dad was telling me that some some guy, again, probably one of one of our listeners <laughs> dads was driving to Toronto or he was going to make the trip and one of his friends or some a relative that he had said, oh, can you bring this to Canada for me? As they do when they hear somebody's going, they always have to pack up your shit for you to bring, right? He packaged up this box and he taped it all up and whatever. And he said, oh, this is toys for the kids over there. You get to bring the toys for the kids, bring this box. So then the guy gets to the fucking border. They start getting questioned. I'm sure. I'm sure he was doing all kinds of suspicious shit. I'm sure he had all kinds of other suspicious shit in his car. The border agent sees this like suspicious package and he's like, what's in there? And he was like, oh, it's gifts for the kids. It's gifts for the kids. The guy's like, oh, let's open it and see. He opens it up. It's a like moonshine making equipment, <laughs> like a moonshine still. Oh, that's awesome. So then the guy has to be like, I didn't know that was in there. Somebody else packed that for me. And that's like a huge red fucking flag. So like then he had to go in. He was in interrogations for like four hours at the border, like over this fucking moonshine still. And I'm like, if somebody ever did that to me, I would be so irate. Oh, God, I'd be done with you. So pissed. <laughs> I'm sorry. You package up a moonshine still and then you tell somebody that it's toys and you tell them to take it over the border for you like. That's fucked up. Like, they know what they're doing to you. Like, they know that they don't have to worry because they're at home on their sofa. But (laughs) when I posted these little stories, people were responding back. And uh, one of my cousins said that on one of her kind of more recent trips, probably in the last 20 years, she was here and returning home. And somebody tried to give her like a sealed duffel bag full of stuff. And said, oh, bring it up. And when she said, like, what's in it? Can I see what's in it? They they refused to open it for her so she could see what was in it. And then they took it back. And she was like, I'm not bringing you fucking shady duffel bag. Hell no. Like, if you can't tell me what's in it and you're going to be all secretive and like, 
refuse to yeah. tell me, then obviously. I'm not spending any time in jail because I was trying to sneak freaking like marijuana over the border or whatever it is, cocaine. You know, it was none of those things. Like, you know, it was like shitties or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was food. It was, it was harmless stuff, but like not harmless for the border. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Like, it's all fruta and <laughs> shitties, uh, spiral ham. Well, like, they have that show locked up abroad, or they did anyway, where people were kind of doing the same thing. But, like, in other countries, they would fly with drugs in their suitcases, and then they would get taken in, and, you know, and here they are, now they're spending their time in jail because they brought marijuana over. So, no, my brain, (laughs) nope. (laughs) No. If our listeners have stories, we would love to hear them. We'll talk about them in another episode. But for now, we'll just go into our mental health segment, which will be pretty short, and then we'll just round this bad boy out. I have other stuff to talk about for mental health, but for this one, I figured since it was Canada-themed, I was just going to talk about something that came up as I was talking to some of my family while I was visiting in Toronto. And we were just talking about you know our ancestors and what shitty situations they may have been in or come from you know hard lives whatever their situation was i'm sure that a lot of them were not in happy marriages yeah they may (laughs) may have had all sorts of struggles and troubles is all i'm going to say and despite their shitty circumstances my cousin actually was the one who brought this point up and she said they've raised some strong ass women and i just thought that was so cool because when you started to think about it you're like Yes. So they may not have spoken up for themselves at the time as, you know, looking back now, you're like, oh, why didn't they do this or that? And you know, they did what they had to do for their life, but they did not let their circumstances turn them into like meek women or people that were walked all over. Like they knew their situation and they dealt with shit the way they did, but they were choosing to be like, nope, this is the situation I'm in. I'm going to deal with it the best I can. I'm not going to complain about it, but I'm also going to raise my children to be like fucking badass i like that because that hits home doesn't it (laughs) yeah it hits home (laughs) perfectly to the t my mom could have left a long time ago (laughs) she could have packed her bags said bye-bye to my dad and she chose not to if she did i probably wouldn't have the life that i have so she like sacrificed it They do. It's a sacrifice. Absolutely. They do it for their kids and their offspring and the generations that come after them. And it's just so crazy to think about that. Like they're not weak for being in the situations that they're in. They are truly like in their minds, they're like, this is I'm being strong by being in this situation. And I never thought of it that way. So and it and if you think about like family members and like the Portuguese women that you know that are more Mm -hmm. like either our generation or a little older than us, older cousins, but like not like grandparent level. Some fucking badass women. They're not taking any shit. Right. Think of how feisty we are as a population of strong Portuguese women. And I want to say, like, maybe because, like, being in my family dynamic that I was in, which obviously wasn't the worst, things could have been a lot worse. And seeing my mom dealing with what she had to deal with my dad, I'm like, maybe that's why I don't take any shit from any guys that I date now. Like, a second a dude, like, does or says something, I'm like, I'm out. Either that or I have commitment issues. 
high standards, <laughs> commitment issues, one or the other. We're going to close with this thought because it reminds me of when you and I were in Boston, we were going to maybe like a Van Gogh exhibit or something. And then we made a stop afterwards. We think we went to dinner and then we made like this random late night, like Walmart stop. Target. Yes. Target. Or Target. It's our late night Target stop. And as we were walking towards the car, like it was an area that I, I'm not going to say like, I don't know Boston well enough to know if it was a good area or a bad area, but yeah, same. there was an armed guard at the Target. So like, that's all you <laughs> needed to know. And we're like, I don't know if we should be like out here, or, like just by ourselves, these little girls walking around at this time of night in the middle of Boston. And you were like, I got a little fight left in me. <laughs> I love that. God. She's got a little fight left in her guys. <laughs> like, and I felt instantly, I was like, I feel good. I feel safe. I feel safe. Kelly's going to go fucking ham on these people if anybody tries anything. I'm like five feet up in. I would. I know. I, are you five feet? No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that mental health. It came up at the table while we were chit-chatting with the power out at the wedding. <laughs> so just figured we would. Throw that in there as our mental health today. And you know what? Like with the power outage, like at least that gave you that gave you some time to talk to your family. Is that like a wedding? You know, you're busy, you're dancing, whatever, eating and going to the bar and drink. But at least like with the power being out and kind of like trying to find things to do, like you were able to like look having these discussions. It was it was really fun. And they like when they had the map up, they were watching the power outage area shrink as they resolved some of the issue and it would like okay now it's only affecting this many customers and this many customers and it got down to like one customer like it was affecting just fantasy farm (laughs) in Toronto it was like it's just us we're the last ones without power I I know I have family in Toronto that I was with this weekend that that do listen to the podcast so hopefully I did it justice I think you did Toronto in general and and my time with them because I really enjoyed that your 36 hours it's so crazy to me that family that you don't see like i had not been to toronto in 20 years granted i have seen these people because they came to my wedding and they've come to other weddings i've seen them more recently than 20 years ago but they just feel like you feel so close to them still just like the, the nature of being portuguese and that community and that family bond is so strong it's like no time has passed they open their homes you stay right in their house and you're just acting like we see each other every day. I agree. I have that same vibe with my cousin. Same vibe. My husband, I don't think if he had extended family that lived somewhere else, like I don't think they would be that close or be able to do that and have that right. connection. My mom's side speaks French. Half of there on the Montreal side and we still have that. So their Portuguese is broken with their French. Like ours is broken with our English. So it's quite interesting to hear them speak. But somehow me and them we can have a conversation. <laughs> I don't know how. It's like there was no time between us. You're just at home with these people, like, because if you see them all the time and it's the coolest feeling. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> or morning, whenever you're listening to this. This is time neutral. It's good night for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.